I love that I get to give and leave a lasting legacy with money because honestly, there's a lot of things I spend money on that don't go anywhere. But when I get to the kingdom of God, I get to get home to Jesus someday um, when I return to the king. And I can't wait to say, hey, money was one thing, God, that I, you got a hold of my heart and I figured it out. So get that figured out in your life. Get giving done. If you don't know me, um, I was on vacation and I went to all these churches and the pastor didn't introduce themselves, the speaker. And I was like, these idiots. And then last week I came to church and I didn't introduce myself. And people came up and they said, hi, I'm new here. You weren't here the last two weeks. And I said, oh, my name is Peter. I'm the lead pastor. So if you don't know, I learned a lesson uh, not to be judgmental. And my name is Peter. I'm the lead pastor here. I grew up in this church since I was eight years old. And I'm 47 years old. So... Either God has me here or I'm in a major rut, and, uh, and I love what God is doing in our church. I'm one of those people that um, I often set things down and don't remember where I set them. Um, I can be a little spacey with my wallet or keys or phone or things like that. How many people are like me that you lose things sometimes? Come on, be honest, you're in church. Come on, if you lose things sometimes, like, yeah, all the losers, raise your hand. Come on, let's go. All right. Like, sometimes we just do that. So I want to take a quick survey this morning, if you'll help me out with this. And I want to ask you a question. How many of you would say the easiest thing for you to lose? How many say the easiest thing for you to lose is your phone? And it's the one you have the big heart attack about, right? How many say they're glasses? When I start wearing glasses, I'm going to need like 12 pairs of them. Because I'll just, you know, find the other one later, right? Uh, how many say they're, they're keys, if you haven't found your keys in the fridge yet, your day's coming, all right? Uh, how many people would say, my mind? I'm losing my mind very easily these days. How many would say, wait? Somebody said, I, I lose weight easily. Yeah, we kicked them out of the church last time we asked this question, all right? Um, patience. How many say patience? How many would say the remote control? Yeah, all those things. Um, when I was a kid, my parents didn't lose the remote control because I got up and changed the channel for them, all right? But here's the interesting thing. I think the, the easiest thing in life to lose today is not your keys, it's not your phone, it's your joy. Isn't it easy to lose your joy in the world that we live in today? Especially these last couple of years. Have you noticed the angst, the division, the confusion, the isolation, a state of turmoil. And I would say from uh, maybe three years ago and earlier, a lack of joy in so many hearts and minds. Now, the trouble of that really happens with this. If, if the Lord is in us, then there's joy in us regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of a pandemic, regardless of the political landscape, if we have the joy of the Lord in us, that is greater than our circumstances around us. Whew, five amens. We're looking good. Getting better. America has kind of gone through a gloomy time, and the problem is when the people of God aren't filled with joy, it makes God look bad. Like the church is a representation of Jesus to the world, and we don't need a bunch of cranky Christians representing Jesus. Have you been one? Are you sitting next to one? Don't, don't answer that one, all right? The reality is some people that say they represent the church or represent, represent Jesus, they look like they've been sucking lemons and they were baptized in vinegar. And I'm like, bro, don't tell them you're with my people, Right? Make sure that you keep your joy in this world, that you make God look good, that your countenance shows that you have joy in the Lord, that you have something deeper. It's been said that happiness is a feeling, but joy is a choice. There's this deep-seated joy, the grace of God that he's forgiven me, that heaven is my home. And no matter what the world does or what the doctor says this week, I have joy in the Lord. 
The scripture says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know why the Bible says rejoice? Because you got to do it over and over again. Tomorrow you got to get up and you got to choose joy again. You got to rejoice again in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. The Apostle Paul writes about joy more than anybody else in the Bible. In fact, in Philippians, Paul writes about joy 19 times in four chapters. Isn't it interesting when people that are getting beat up and incarcerated and they're the ones that are telling us, choose joy. They understand it, the discipline, the practice of choosing joy tomorrow, regardless of what tomorrow brings. The Bible says, always be filled with joy uh, in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice and do it again and again. Joy is this inward peace that's not affected by our circumstances. So listen, somebody here has the worst circumstances more than anybody else. Half of you think it's you. But if it is you, even you, even the worst circumstances today, you get to find your joy in the Lord. And that's a strength for all of us. So choose joy in your life. Always be joyful. The Bible says always, not sometimes, always, regardless. So if we live in this world where it's easy to lose our joy, by the way, if you're here like new at our church this week, there is nine fruits of the Spirit. Joy would normally be the second week. This is the last week. So maybe just maybe the Lord wanted to speak to you today about not losing your joy as we did this out of order, maybe because the Spirit is leading in this. We lose our joyfulness when we allow our attitude to be determined by our circumstances or by other people around us. James chapter 1 says this, Consider it pure joy when you face troubles of many kinds, trials of many kinds. Since uh, joy is not dependent on our circumstances, we can possess uh, it in the midst of our trials. You can have joy in the midst of your trials. So let's choose joy today. You know, the reality is we have this golden retriever dog and she has taught me a lot about who I am because when that dog's naughty, it reminds me, you know, like sometimes you get food off the counter too, Dagon. All right, so I've learned a lot about having this dog. But with this dog that I've grown to love so deeply, the reality is when the dog's water bowl begins to go empty and is empty or almost empty, we refill it. Why? Because water is vital to life. And listen, if you're here today and your joy level is depleted, you got to refill it because joy is vital to your life. You know the scripture that says the joy of the Lord is your strength. What you sometimes forget is the lack of joy makes you weak. And you're in a battle. You can't afford to be weak if you're going to try to live for Christ in this world. The joy of the Lord is your strength, so joy is vital in our lives. So I don't know exactly where you are today, but if you lost some of that spark, today's a great day to be in church in this gathering. I'm going to give you four steps from the Bible to restore joy in our lives. You can take notes on your phone. If you have paper, uh, you can go back and watch this message later. If you're at home, I encourage you to take notes as well. Okay, here's the first step. The first step is that I need to admit that I've lost it. I have to wake up and realize, you know, I'm not the same joyful person I was. What am I going to do here? Admit that you've lost it. You can't recover something unless you realize you've lost it. Two years ago, I was uh, traveling back from Eastern Oregon on a trip. Uh, I got home. The next day, I looked for my credit card. It wasn't in my wallet. The fact is, I called the gas station where I got gas, and they said, we have it at the counter. We'll mail it to you. I was like, you guys are awesome. But here's what's fascinating. I went 24 hours unaware that something was lost. It was lost for 24 hours. I just didn't know it was lost. Sometimes we have to admit and recognize that something is lost. You can't do that until you look around. 
So let me ask you a couple of questions I think are important for us to ask. Am I someone that others want to be around? Has there ever been a time in my life when I was closer to God than I am right now? Has there ever been a time in my life when I was more joyful in the Lord than I am right now? Maybe we need to recognize that something is missing or something is drained or something is lost, that joy in our lives. Now's a great time to make a change. David said in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He didn't say, Lord, save me again. He, was, he still knew the Lord. He just made a major mistake. The joy, restore my joy in you, Lord. Restore the joy of my salvation. Joy is a big deal. It's strength in our lives. It's important that we have it. So maybe stop and recognize, look around. Am I losing joy in my life? By the way, if, you are, if your fuse is short and you're angry or you're fearful, it's probably a good time to start thinking about your joy level. Because it's harder for people to set you off when you're filled with the joy of the Lord. Number two, the second step is this. The second thing you gotta do is you gotta analyze the cause. So you gotta figure out if you've lost any joy and then you have to analyze why. You look at your life and you ask this question, how did I lose my joy? What is robbing my joy? What are the kill joys? And here's a scary one. Who are the kill joys in my life? Joy doesn't just walk out of your life. There's certain circumstances, certain people, certain actions that rob us of our joy if we allow that to happen. So we got to take inventory. Lamentations 3.40 says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Listen, there are hundreds of killjoys in your life that'll drain you and sap that joy from your life. Many of you know some of yours already. I'm gonna invite you to uh, look at five common things in your life that are killjoys in your life. One thing that robs your joy is an unbalanced schedule. When your schedule is unbalanced and out of whack, that unbalanced schedule will rob your joy. If you're overworked, it's hard to be the joyful person you're called to be. By the way, if you're underworked, it's hard to be the joyful person you're called to be. We need to have purpose in our lives. What a great thought on Labor Day weekend. If you're overworked or underworked. Listen, if you're, um, if you're always pouring out into others, but you're not receiving, you're out of balance. And if you're always receiving from other people, but you're not serving, you're not giving, you're out of balance. All those things are going to throw off your joy level in your life. An unbalanced schedule will hurt the joy inside of you. And the reality is this, some people, like, they're receiving so much. Even, even like the Bible, they just study the Bible, study the Bible, study the Bible. The Bible actually says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You can't just soak up and suck everything. You've got to pour something out. If you're learning and growing in the Lord, then you've got to put that into practice. Amen? Jesus, when he said that, he said, you don't hear all these words, but you don't put them into practice. It does you no good. So you've got to be not a lake, but a river. Goodness has to flow in you and out of you in your life. If you travel too much, your life may be unbalanced. If you work too much, if you play too much. Listen, if you have too much entertainment in your life, hello Americans, your life gets out of balance. Sometimes I journalize and go, God, yesterday I just, I was entertained all day. I don't want my life to be a consumer who's just being entertained. We're entertained to death in America. I want to do something with my life, not just be entertained. An unbalanced schedule will cause you to lose your joy. The second thing is this, unused talent in your life. If you have talent in your life and it's going unused, man, God gave you that. You're, you're to use that for him. It's to bring glory to him. An unused talent causes you to lose joy fast. 
You were created by God for a purpose. He's wired you. He's gifted you. We talk about shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your passions, your experiences. If you're not getting to use those things for God, man, it, it will uh, bring, it'll lessen the joy in your life. The first time I started fully serving Jesus, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how much more joy there was in my life. I was 19 years old and I started serving God, not just like going to church, reading my Bible, but actually actively doing something that I was committed to on a regular basis. Man, the significance in my life just rose. I want everybody to have that, someplace where you serve in a committed basis. Listen, if you're in a job and it doesn't use the talents you have, it's a frustrating job, isn't it? Sometimes you're in a job and it's 70% of your talents you can use in that job. And that, that's sometimes okay. By the way, take the other 30% and just use those talents for God. But sometimes you're in a job and that job uses like 30% of your talent. And you end up miserable in that job. Unused talents and gifts uh, that go unused in your life will lessen the joy in your life. And maybe you need to do something about that. The third one is this. The third thing that causes you to lose your joy is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin, it piles up in our lives. Uh, we don't like to admit it. We don't want to admit it to ourselves. We don't want to admit it to anybody else. But few things rob uh, your joy, your confidence faster than guilt. You can rationalize your sin. You can find someone who will affirm it. The reality is it's a slow leak in your life. It festers in your mind. You cannot be fully enthusiastic and joyful at the same time that you're feeling guilty in your life. Guilt and joy do not somehow combined at the same time, they do not coexist. So here's the reality. This is the easiest one to solve because we get to admit it uh, to God, receive forgiveness, confess our sins, and we don't have to stay guilty for more than three seconds in our lives. Because of what Jesus did, you don't have to feel guilty for more than three seconds. I mean, there's like the, the strongest Christians I know are asking forgiveness for God like all the time in short bouts. God, I can't believe I thought that. I shouldn't have said that. That was judgmental. God, the Lord, that wasn't a pure thought. Just, just all the time. We don't have to live in guilt. We can confess our sins to the Lord immediately. There's no reason to live in that guilt. The cross is all about the forgiveness that Jesus paid the price for us. He died so that you can live without guilt. I love an easy one. Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm a qualified sinner. I'm good at it. So Lord, forgive me. Name it and move forward. And finally, a fourth thing that will rob you of your, of your joy in your life is uh, unresolved conflict. Come on, some of us, we are living today in unresolved conflicts. No one wants to say amen. That's my story, Pastor. I would sense that of everything that I'm saying about common uh, joy, drain, things that drain your joy, is we're living with conflict every day. There's a relationship that you have, and it's unresolved. And probably a lot of us are going, I don't know what else to do, God. It's an unresolved conflict. Maybe you started your day, you got up in the morning. It's going to be a great day. Then you have an argument with someone, and your passion and your joy just drains out of you. But you don't always have time to have that conversation. You've got to go to work. You've got to go to school. You've got to do something with your life. And that unresolved conflict can sap your energy all day. Sometimes I get to the end of my day and I say, you know, why have I been just kind of mildly angry all day long? And I realized something that happened that morning that, that kind of put the whole day sideways. Unresolved conflict. What are you going to do with that? How do you find peace in that? Don't let unresolved conflict rob your joy. The, this, the Bible's so clear about this. If you have conflict with someone, go to them and figure it out. Leave your gift at the altar. Go ask someone for forgiveness. Deal with that. And people who are good at that, they live with more joy than the rest of us. 
because they don't live with conflict every day and think it's just normal. They do something about it. Wow. When you have unresolved conflict in your life, it's like riding a bike with a flat tire. It's work, man. It's frustrating. You're like, this isn't how this bike is supposed to work. I'm not getting where I'm supposed to get. But man, you deal with that conflict, it's like pumping those tires up and clear sailing. And some of you, the greatest thing you could leave a church gathering like this is just say, I am going to deal with some unresolved conflicts. By the way, some of you, you got more than you can count on one hand. So just start with one today. You know, I had a day one time where I had an unresolved conflict with several people. And I, I went and, uh, to somebody and I said, you know, that situation was really hard. I'm sure I didn't handle it perfectly. I want to apologize to you for any way that I didn't handle that well. And she said, I understand. I said, man, that felt good to take that weight off my shoulders. You know what I did? I went home. I got on the phone. I called a friend. I said, hey, um, a while back, I could have helped, and I didn't help, and I want to apologize for that. And he said, no apology needed, but guess what? That burden was lifted off my shoulders again. When you get unresolved conflict off of your back, it's like a joy to live without that. Don't forget what it was like before you lived with that conflict and see if you can still do something about it. In fact, maybe the Spirit's just whispering a name to you even now. Let's work that out. Finally, let me give you one more. I'm going to kind of skip forward. Uh, Let me give you one more. An unnourished spirit. Man, you will lose joy in your life if your spirit is not nourished. Oh, I can skip church one week or two weeks or three weeks, and I I haven't read the Bible, spent time with the Lord. Listen, you get away with it a couple times, but when your spirit is unnourished, you don't even realize what's happening. Man, those times with God are precious in the morning. Those times that you gather with the church to worship and let the Holy Spirit speak to you in a moment like this to nourish your soul. You get to make that choice. If you have an undernourished spirit, you, you are not living in the fullness of joy in your life. Your spirit needs it. Listen, we live in a world that drains us. There's all kinds of circumstances, distractions, disappointments, problems and pressures and challenges and conflicts and frustrations and failures. And you're not gonna get away from that because you're human. So if you have to live with all those things like the rest of us, then what you can do is you can fill up your life with nourishment that's going to counteract all the difficult things in your life. You need spiritual food as much as you need physical food. You just don't see it the same. You'll spiritually starve to death if you don't nourish your soul. Don't miss the opportunities to nourish your soul. Don't be undernourished. So here's the five possible causes of of a joy loss in your life. Unbalanced schedule, unused talents, unconfessed sin, unresolved conflict, a big one, and undernourished spirits. If you know of another one in your life, you might want to write it down. Just say, you know, this is a source that's draining my joy in my life, and I want to work on that. Admit it, that you've lost some joy. Second thing is analyze the cause. Here's the third one. The third one is simple. Correct what's wrong. Like once you recognize that there's a joy leak in your life and you, you know where it's coming from, then you go and correct what's wrong. How can I work around this? How can I manage this? How can I change this? How can I solve it? How can I correct what is wrong? The reality is this, I've walked with Jesus now for 30 years, like real. Like 31 years real with Jesus. Um, during that time, I've noticed a lot of people who lose their joy. Um, And the reality is when you know the right thing that you're supposed to do, but you don't do it, that robs your joy more than anything else. The Bible says anyone who knows the right thing to do, but does not do it is sinning. And if you know that there's something that God wants you to do, but you're unwilling to do it, your killjoy is your sin, your unwillingness 
to follow what Jesus would have you to do. So let me ask it very clearly. What do you need to do now, but you're not currently doing it? What has God told you to do, but you haven't started doing it yet? Because the secret to overflowing joy in your life is this easy word called obedience. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. Obedience in your life. Maybe there's just one place where if you just said, Lord, if I could just be obedient in this area, money or purity or loving my enemies or forgiving someone or seeking to end that conflict, if I could just get that one small thing figured out, it would add loads of purpose and joy back into my life. What is that for you? Finally, the last one I'm going to skip ahead is this. Number four. If you want to restore the joy in your life, you need to think about what's good in your life. Some of you, you're our, you're our, our TV news watchers. You've got the Thurston County scanner. You're going, oh, another person shot, another person, you know, abducted, another, another tragedy. And you look at your life and you say, oh, I've got another bad news medically or what were they thinking? Or you come home from work and you're just focused on the negative all the time. The reality is this not just in Psalms, but throughout the Bible, especially in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, think on things that are good and true and lovely and pure because in the world you live in, if you don't train your mind how to think, it's going the wrong way 100% of the time. 100% of the time. You don't have to think every thought that falls into your head. You can change the channel in your mind. And you have to. What really smart husbands and wives do is one of them looks at the other one and goes, you know what, We've been, we have been cycling downward. And thinking about everything that's going wrong. We've been talking about politics and talking about COVID and talking about work. And we need to do something different. The other day, my wife and I went to dinner and we just took turns. And I said, here's one thing that I'm really grateful for. And I said it. We were at Red Lobster in Lacey. Just bringing the Holy Spirit's level up, hopefully, in that place. And I said, your turn. And she went and she said the thing that she's grateful for. And I said, okay, let me tell you something else I'm grateful. We went back and forth probably 10 times. I'm talking about we walked out of the restaurant a whole lot stronger, a whole lot more joyful and grateful than we walked in. The time to stop and count your blessings is not when you're feeling blessed. The time to count your blessings is when life is ugly. And you turn that thing around and you bring that joy Lord, heaven is my home, and there's so many good things in my life. Maybe today the greatest thing you could do is just stop and make a list of all the things going well in your life, a spirit of gratefulness in your life. So here we go. If you've lost your joy, admit it. Analyze the cause. Correct what's wrong. Think about what's good in your life. For some reason today, I just I was praying for you for this moment two days ago. And I wasn't fully sure, but now I am. This unresolved conflict, I really feel is the number one thing that God's saying, you got to work on this. It's not just draining the other person. It's actually draining you. And you know the other things that we talked about. So I'm going to ask today that we respond to the Lord. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand where you are because I think some of us here were like, I want my joy back so bad. And if somebody thinks that I'm a cranky person because I stood up at church outside, oh well. 
The joy of the Lord is my strength and I need it. So before we bow our heads and pray, if you're here today and you're like, Pastor Peter, honestly, some of these thoughts, I feel like the Holy Spirit is ministering to me and I do recognize my joy level is not what it was. And the world that I live in does drain me and I want to I want to choose the joy of the Lord in my life today. If that's you, would you stand all across this, this place? Go ahead. If you're at home, you can respond as well. We're going to pray in just a moment. Would you just maybe close your eyes, especially if you're standing? Or sometimes we have too much travel. Sometimes we have too much entertainment. Sometimes, Lord, there's a person that we've allowed to drain us of our joy. Lord, if there's a person in our life and we need to choose to spend less time around that person and it would be healthy and right for us to do so, God, speak that to us today. Lord, for those of us that have unresolved conflict, God, we need you. We need to lift that weight off our shoulders, do everything in our power, and then release it. Lord, if there's unconfessed sin in our lives, if there's unused talents, God, that are going to waste, and we wonder why we don't feel significant. Lord, that unbalanced schedule. And Lord, you know the undernourished spirit that the church is trying to live in victory with. God, today would you help us to pray that prayer of David. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God, let me be the enthusiastic one at work and let it not be something I'm trying to drum up, but let it be real from deep within that the joy of the Lord is really in me and it pours out of me in the way that I think and I talk and I act. And when I need to do a, a, a surgery and, and, and get some things out and replenish with joy, God, let me recognize that moment. Lord, even today, we are so grateful for so many things. We don't take any of those blessings for granted. God, I pray miraculous healing in conflicts. I pray, God, that we could confess our sin just like we left that restaurant feeling so much stronger. God, that we would leave this moment not carrying anything we're not meant to carry and walking once again in the fullness and the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. What a great day, amen. God, I just feel like God is here. I cannot wait to go inside next week where I can put the scripture in front of you and really ram it down your throat next week. No, just kidding. Next week, we're inside for church. There's, the altar is going to be open. Listen, how many of you know the name Sujo John? Sujo John is a friend of mine from, from India who survived the, the World Trade Center towers. We're going to show his my story next week. It is life-changing. Bring somebody with you to church. It's September 11th. And we're going to talk about the fragility and the preciousness of life. It's absolutely going to be incredible. 9.30 or 11.15. All right? Before you go, would you be a blessing to someone? Uh, say hi to someone. Encourage someone before you go. Have a great week in the Lord.